what? <laughs> Getting close to Valentine's Day, Martin Luther King's holiday. But, you know, hey, man, we, we had to take a break. Had a lot going on. But, um, hey, man, it's a new year. It's 2023 and 2022. Hey, man, here's a finger for you. Okay. <laughs> How about two of them? <laughs> for, yeah, for each two. As many listeners know, 2022 was a rough year for me, for sure. We lost yeah. three family members. We lost Mickey. We lost Grover. And then my father, just when I was starting to get over Grover, my, I get the call that my father had a heart attack and passed at the end of November. So suffice to say, I'm really glad, glad 2022 is in the rear view. <clears throat> and I actually feel more positive. I already feel more positive that it's a new year already, even though it doesn't really make a difference. It's just numbers on a piece of paper. Exactly. But psychologically, it, it, it tends to help you. And if it does, great. Use it to your favor. That's my attitude. <clears throat> it doesn't matter if it's numbers on a piece of paper. If it makes you feel more positive, then use that as fuel. Exactly. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad to see that little period in time <laughs> it has moved on for the most part. But at the same time, it was very useful as well, because, you know, with all these losses and just all the events that happened in the past year, even just things happening with the economy and things like that. Every time these events happen, you know, I, I see it as, OK, a, a reminder, you know, it's like it doesn't I don't really see them as good or bad. I see them as this moment to kind of like to bring you back, snap you back into the present and to do a little checklist. I need to do a little self-assertion, you know, and see like, where, where are you at this moment? And are you doing what's necessary, you know, to keep improving on your life and keep evolving? And are you sticking, are you maintaining, you know, that path forward or have you been kind of stuck on stupid or, or you're not moving at all, you know what I'm saying? Or are you going backwards whatsoever? So it just gives me that moment kind of like, ah, you know, so like I said, um, you know, I, knowing about your losses, you know, just it kind of just makes me look like, OK, let me make sure that I'm taking care of myself here. And am I am I am I really taking care of myself? Or can I what can I do better? Because you can always do something better. You know, so it's never like, what can I do better? There's always something, you know, that we can well, do. And better. It helps you prioritize. Here's my assessment of last year, not just. The losses is only one part of it. And no year is completely good or bad. There were a lot of good moments from last year too. But here's one thing I learned about myself from last year, or at least reinforced, is I'm a very goals-driven, adrenaline-based personality. So in other words, if I need to be going after something to feel happy, to feel at my best, I need to go after yeah. goals, I need to accomplish goals. Now, last year, I decided to take a break from all that. It was almost a vacation for me. I go, I'm not going to be that goals-driven this year. I'm not going to go after any PRs. I'm just going to put in work. I'm just going to enjoy day to day. And that may work for someone else, but it doesn't work for me. But my mood was category, categorically and consistently lower last year than in previous yeah, um, And I was thinking about why. I go, why? why? What was different about last year? My hormones are good. I had blood levels done and everything else. Everything looked good. It's not like I was in some depleted state. But I wasn't goals driven last year. I wasn't goals driven in in any context. It was more, let me just live in the present, live day to day, all that mystical bullshit that we hear from people. And look, that may work for someone else. And if it does, great. I'm about to say you should change, but it doesn't work for me. I'm So that's why coming into this year, I'm way more goals driven, not just with my training, but in other areas in general. And that that's some of the stuff I wanted to talk about today, because a lot of people make goals at this time of year and a lot of people fall short of those goals. Usually but by the time this episode comes out, most people have already given up on their goals. And there's a lot of reasons why. And I wanted to go through my goals and discuss some of those things that happen with that. 
So one of my, so when it comes to training, when, it, when it, I'm not someone who just likes working out for the sake of working out, I need to have a purpose. I don't want to just put in time. I go, what am I trying to achieve here? And if there isn't something that I'm trying to achieve, I'm not going to have the same kind of fire to even train. You're just putting in work. So one of my goals is to do five complete reps on the Nordic curl. The Nordic curl is basically like a glute ham raise, but way more difficult. You can do a glute ham raise at the gym. That's nowhere close to how difficult a Nordic curl is. And it's incredibly, it's incredible for your hamstrings and your knee health. So I've had these on and off issues with my right knee. This is going to help with that. Getting your hamstrings stronger, your midsection stronger is going to carry over to everything else I like to do, such as deadlifts, overhead presses, you name it. You have really strong hamstrings, you're automatically going to be more athletic. So that's that's not the only thing I'm going to be doing when I train, but that's the primary focus. Everything else is built around that. Now, this is a very effective way to go because your mind is focused on that thing. I mean, every day I think about this. Every day I think about it. It's on my mind, and that makes me be consistent with putting in work. Now, the mistake a lot of people make, especially with training goals, is they have too many. They go, I want to lose body fat. I want to do pull-ups. I want to do, I want to improve my squat. I want to get this deadlift here. I want to be able to run in a marathon. I want to be able to go sprinting on this. First of all, how many of those things do you actually care about? Most <laughs> right. of it is something that just sounds good. Maybe someone else told you you should work on these things. How many of those goals do you care about? Like, oh man, Mike's so enthusiastic about deadlifting. Maybe I should be enthusiastic about deadlifting. That's not going to get you there. That that mindset is not going to get you there. It doesn't matter what someone else is enthusiastic about. What matters is what are you enthusiastic about? And for me, it's the Nordic curl, which is why that's the focus, because that gets me excited about training. Well, last year, I wasn't that excited about training because I didn't have a clear-cut goal that I was trying to go after. Now, I kept training because it's a habit. And that's the other important thing with goal acquisition is you need to make stuff a habit because if it's a habit, you're going to do it regardless of how you feel about it. Whether you're motivated or not motivated, it's going to get done. It's like brushing your teeth in the morning, okay? It's a habit. It's not something you have to psych yourself up for. Like, oh man, you know, I got <laughs> 10 minutes. Let me get my pre-workout drink in. <laughs> so I have enough energy. Let me get that morning cup of coffee in before I brush my teeth. You know, I got to psych myself up. Let me brace my abs and clench my punches. So you're, 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 like, you're like plucking your lips and like and you're moving them up now because you're doing your mouth warm up before you start to brush in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you're fo people focus on way too many things. <laughs> So four training sessions per week is what I'm going to do, two at home and two at the gym. That covers all the bases for the categories I want to do. And then, and that's it. That's a, that's committing to a process. Commit to a process instead of being overly fixated on a goal. You want to have goals for sure because it focuses your brain. But once you have the goal set, now it's time to commit to a process. And four training sessions is going to get me to that goal that with a commitment to that process. And then the other one is a lot of times people who love working out, have very low activity, ironically. So they think that just because they work out a couple of times a week, they can just sit on their ass and watch Netflix bullshit all night. And that's about as far from the truth as possible. All that sitting around is horrible for your health. So one thing I do is daily activity is a must. And one of those factors is 10,000 steps walking every single day without fail. So that's about two hours of walking with my dog, Raina. And what's funny is the other day, Carol and I were watching a show and, and she was, Raina was kicking back on the couch with her feet up in the air. And Carol goes, man, I don't think we've ever had a dog who's so chill at night as Raina. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's because I walk her two hours every fucking day. <laughs> right. yeah, if I didn't walk her two hours, she wouldn't oh, be like, man. she'd be pissing around the house, she'd be making a hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> she needs activity because she's adrenaline based. Guess what? I'm adrenaline based too. So it's a perfect fit. I need the activity as much as she does. So it's good for both of us. 
Now, 10,000 steps a day without fail has been shown to lower mortality. It improves every biomarker in your body, your insulin sensitivity, your cholesterol, your heart health, you name it. And it's not something where you walk one day and you need to take the next day off. It's not like intense training. You can do this every single day. You're not going to overtrain unless you go to some ridiculous amount, which no one has time for. So 10,000 steps is, that's what I'm doing. I'm not saying everyone else should commit to that, but that's what I'm doing. Last year, actually, I did, I did commit to the process of walking in an average 9,500 steps every day for the year. So that's pretty good. Now, let me just get over that hump a little bit just for fun. Just up it up a little bit and try to improve. All right. So that's training stuff. Now, when it comes to the business and our show, two episodes of the LLA show every month. So that's with you. And then two episodes of my YouTube show every month. So that's four episodes of content every single month. Now, that's a lot of content by the end of the year. It's 48 episodes of really good content. Actually, yeah, 48. Yep, 48 episodes. Now, that's the minimum I'm going to do. Some some months I may do more than that with the and if you want to do more in the LLA show, we may do that. But I think two is a good number for both of us to commit to on that because that that's achievable. And then some months it may be one, another month it may be three, but the goal is two every single every every single month. Now, w- that's just the process that's committed to. I'm not worried about how many views I'm going to get from any of these things. Right. I don't care about that. Because that that's that's focusing on something that is that's going to make you go down a very boring route. And it's one of those things that can also kind of give you anxiety because if something something pops up, if you're so committed to doing that, you know, and it's like I got to get this amount, and if you're not getting it, it can be very discouraging. Right. It can be easy to derail every any progress you may have made because you're not even looking at the progress you've made. You're looking at that number and that number can get you in trouble because that number, first of all, it's imaginary. It's not even real. It's not even real because even if you see you got a million views, did a million people actually view it or did or did the same person see it on three different four different devices? You know, did a million people watch the first minute and then just move on to something else? So it's just like. It's again that number means nothing, but that process means a lot. Yeah, know. yeah, the process means it because it can carry over something else. That number can't carry over anything else. That million views well, doesn't carry over to Instagram. Is, it sets up content for my business because now I have content to send out to my newsletter to oh, post. I got so it takes care of all that bullshit. Is and that- I, I got to drop a gem on you? Like we're, we're, we'll talk about that when we finish recording, but we'll come back and talk about it again on a future episode. But something that you know. To add on to that, it's part of my goals yeah. as well. And I've already started. Like, it's nothing like writing a book like in a in a few hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just leaving it at that. It's well, like, speaking oh, of sure. books, that's my final goal: is read two books every month. Now, mm. I, I, I honestly, I use, if I get on a roll, I read a book a week, unless right. it's something that gives me that makes me pause, such as Robert Greene's book Laws of Human Nature. That one I read slower, and I reread chapters. That one mm. I took my time with because there was so much to think about when reading that book and some of those points I wanted to bring up, this is a mm-hmm. book I encourage everyone to read. If you really want to take charge of your life, read Robert Greene's laws of human nature, because it, it allows you to really understand yourself, your motivations, as well as other people. Mm-hmm. And that's invaluable, no matter where you are in life. That's invaluable in your relationships, in your business, in your personal life, wherever it is that that's a skill set you want to have. Because the, the problem that most motivational books have, it's all about trying to make you feel good about yourself. You're great. You can do it. All that kind of thing. Right. Well, in, in Laws of Human Nature, it's, it's, more, and it's more the opposite of that. But in a lot of ways, it's more empowering as a result. I mean, one of, the law, one of the things he talks about in Laws of Human Nature is 
you're not as good of a person as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as confident as you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. We are all naturally gullible. People will disappoint you. Now, this may sound kind of depressing when you read it, but there's a lot of truth in this. And these things can be used to, to have a really honest assessment of yourself and improve. Because if you're so busy thinking, oh, man, I'm so smart. I'm so confident. I'm so strong. Dunning-Krager syndrome. I'm not someone people can take advantage of. Then you're, then you're more susceptible to not just being impeded by yourself, but also being impeded by other people. Because it's just you're you're it's good to have a little bit of humility when it comes to self-assessment or a lot of it rather well, yeah more humility less hubris <laughs> yeah. well men often talk about what here's what i'm good at and here's how much money i make and it's all just trying to project what really it doesn't exist because right. the, here's what i find about people the most interesting people they don't really talk about themselves that no much. they don't they're, they're more they're more interested in you and, and other people and other well, the most boring people on the other hand they can't stop talking about this <laughs> but those of us that are interesting listening to it are going this is boring as fuck <laughs> yeah. and, and people can't read the room because one thing about me my face it does this thing where it just it won't lie <laughs> and so if you're paying attention like oh this you know what this is not even paying he i am wasting this time <laughs> yes you are it's like uh, yeah i can't hide my face man it, it's yeah. and i won't <laughs> Oh, yeah, dude. But just just rewinding to the read two books a month. Here's why reading is important. One, reading helps you relax at night. If you read for two hours before bedtime, you're going to sleep better. Your mood's going to be better. And you're going to feel more empowered because you're learning something. Even if you're reading fiction, it's still positive. And you're taking it to sleep with you. So it's it's going into your subconscious as well. Even though you think when you close that book and you go to bed, you think you're done. You're really not. No, you really so it's, that's why also be very particular what you're reading before you go to bed <laughs> you know yeah so yeah that's true you may not want to read about something horrific <laughs> right like you know a, a serial killer you know and, and it's very detailed because you're like okay yeah, like ty ritter's book my body my choice yeah nope book. not happening i'm not, not gonna good. read that before bedtime no <laughs> no 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 you read that early in the day so that you have the rest of the day to make up for what you read. <laughs> exactly. Get you motivated to start doing some things to help, you know, help out, you right. know, can't, right. can't help while I'm asleep, you know? Right. So, so reading at reading is very good for your focus as well, which is something that is a dying skill set. People are so addicted to social media and their phone that their ability to focus has declined dramatically. And this is not just my opinion. This has been confirmed yeah, by studies. Yeah, it's not a surprise to hear this. Is no one should be shocked. Really? People can't <laughs> focus now? Look, I know people who can't even watch a movie because they 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 have to check their phone every 10 minutes. Even people at the theater are constantly walking out and see the freaking blue screen lighting up in the theater all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just I'm just I always want to start packing rocks like in a bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then because it's dark, they won't know who's doing it. It's just like as soon as that light comes on, clock them in back of the head. You should have a paintball gun to start blasting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> put a put a suppressor on it so you won't even hear it. It's like, it's like <laughs> but, but here's the other thing too you have to think about when you want to when you want to take advantage of your time. Are you a producer or a consumer? Mm. Now most people are consumers. They're just consuming television, they're consuming entertainment, they're consuming what other people are posting on social media, but they're not producing anything. And I can promise you, when you produce something that you're passionate about that has meaning to you, even if one person watches it, two people watch it, 
nobody watches it. It's still empowering because you're actually producing something. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're putting some you're putting something out there in the world instead of just taking stuff from the world all the time, right. you know. Right. And at the same time, you also by putting things out there, you're also kind of releasing things from within as well. Because and you'd be surprised while you're doing this, what comes out. You right. kind of surprise yourself. You're like, oh, there are times where you're saying things like, damn, where'd that come from? Where'd I pick that up? Well, this is what happens. Another thing, getting back to your reading. The more and more you read, the more and more information you come into, you know, that you take in, the more and more things you have built into your files, you know, that you can draw from. So right. you're talking, next thing you know, boom, and this comes on, you're like, oh shit, I forgot. Right. I, whoa, wasn't expecting that to come out of me, <laughs> you know? So now, that's why I love reading autobiographies. Because yeah. You learn about if people are really honest about their life and their mistakes and things they regret. That's that gives you a lot of reflection on your own life and you can draw from you. Can, yeah. we, can learn, we learn from our own experiences, but we can learn a lot from other people's experiences, too. Yeah, and especially because you realize you're more, we're more like than we are different. That's what you start yeah. to realize. And the, more, the more you learn from other people's experiences, the better. Like, for yeah. example, I don't have to go to prison to know that's a bad idea. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, man, look here. <laughs> I've, read en- I've read enough books where people are very graphic about the whole prison experience. Well, I've, I've read enough. Episodes. I've known oh, enough people and I've seen enough yeah. episodes of Oz to know that I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to experience that personally. To realize <laughs> I don't need a real life out of BC in my life to understand that that's not what I want. That, I don't yeah. want to have the hot breath of somebody like that standing behind me, man. I'm good. Yeah, yeah get on the bunk. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, like you said, with with all this death that we we experienced last year. No, Grover was my dog for 15 years. So that, that was really hard to lose him because he was my mm-hmm. side companion for a long time. He was always by my side. He was always excited to see me. He was happy even as he got older and he couldn't move around as much. As long as I was around, he was happy. Right. He wanted to be near me. He would come sleep with us upstairs in the bedroom. He wanted to be near us at all times. If if he were still alive, he'd be sitting right here in the office in front of me. So to, so, so to lose him was a, a tremendous loss. And that took a while to start feeling good again. And then, like I said, then my father goes. And yeah. honestly, by the time I found out about my father dying, I didn't have any sadness left. I was just numb yeah. at that point. It's, I felt, I go, man, I don't feel anything. I can't feel anything. I, that's where I started thinking in my head. I go, what's wrong with me? I can't feel anything. And it took a while where I, the, the sadness was able to come back in. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, with the grieving process is that Everyone grieves in their own way, and, and, and the process is going to take as long as it takes. You may be numb and in shock for a while, and then you may be just driving around, and all of a sudden you're at a red light and you're in tears because it just exactly. hits you. Or when you think that you've grieved and you're like, okay, I've gone through it. It's been a tough year, and I've been grieving the entire time. And then you might go five, six, seven years, and then you see something, like you said, or you're watching an, ep- an episode of some show or whatever, and one little thing happens. The next thing you know, you're like bawling. You're like, what just happened? What was that? Well, hey, man, it's still there. It's just like it's that's why I say it's a process. <laughs> you know, right. it's not it's not an event that comes and goes. You know, they're just different. It just shows up in different ways. And sometimes it pops up when it feels like it again. Sometimes yeah. it pops up to kind of remind you of something it's like, hey, you you weren't completely done grieving. You know, it's just at that moment, your body and your mind had enough at that moment. Right. But, there's some more things we got to get out. It's not, you know, there's a moment where it feels very cathartic. And then there's times it's just kind of like, there's still some sitting in the reserves, <laughs> you know? Right. 
Also, the thing is, is that I, I had a complicated relationship with my father too. Right. And I, you know, the simple the, the simple thing is, is he loved me, I loved him. I'm not gonna, I'm not in denial of any of that. That at the end of the day, that's all that really matters is mm-hmm. I loved him, he loved me. That's all that really matters. But at the same time, he showed me a lot of what I don't want to be. The mm-hmm. way he treated my mother, he was very emotionally abusive. I I never wanted to be like that, and I'm not like that. There were things about him I definitely admired. He was very generous with supporting charities in mm-hmm. Kenya and Uganda in particular. He would fly out there and visit these charities and get hands-on on what he can do to help out. He wasn't just financially generous. He was he was generous with his time, and he really cared about it. And that that's something I definitely admired about him. That he didn't have to he he lived his life the way he wanted to, but he was always very skeptical about what's possible. He, he he didn't think anything was really possible. The kind of life I created for myself, he never would have thought that was possible. And he certainly wouldn't have encouraged it because, again, he doesn't think it's possible right. to live like that. But that said, he was impressed that I pulled it off. You know, he right. saw how, how important it was for me to create the kind of life I want, not what he wanted for me, and to, to have the resolve to see that through. But if I'm being perfectly honest, it wasn't a relationship of I, I hear some people talk about their fathers like that's their hero. Mm-hmm. I go, man, my dad is my hero. He motivated me to do this. I wouldn't be the man I am today without my father and all that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's great. But I didn't have that kind of relationship with my father. He, I didn't see him as a role model or someone I wanted to be like, at least not but, categorically. But when you think about it, he was a role model. And, and he did help make you the man that you are today because you like again you said that you know he's definitely he shows you things that you didn't want to be you know and so and that's that's somewhat of a role model right there's like okay here's here's the here's the prototype of what you don't want here's the antithesis of what you want to be right there so that is still serving as a model and you know and just you know it kind of works both ways like that but i I get what you're saying you know how other people like yeah you're right yeah but at the same time it's like like i I say that about you know i say that about my birth mom you know i i look at her life and i'm like that's definitely not the life i would choose and those decisions are not the decisions i would make especially when it comes down to my children you know and but at the same time I still love her. And, and the thing is, and I'm grateful, I'm grateful for the fact that my grandparents, you know, stepped in from day one and realized that, yeah, we're going to go ahead and raise him. You, you go ahead. Cause you're not ready, you know? And I'm glad they made that executive decision because, you know, it could have, who knows wh- where I would be probably not sitting here doing this show with you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but it'd been like, again, it just always reminds me that George Michael's on the different corners, you know, all it takes is just one little thing, you know, turn one corner differently. It changes the whole trajectory of your life, you know? Right. So, yeah. So I'm, like I said, I'm very grateful. And even like I said, I'm grateful for the example, you know, that that's been shown to me because it gives me, I got to see different scenarios and I got to decide, okay, what's more of an example of where you would choose to go as you're creating your own at the same time. And that's where, like I said, I'm not trying to be exactly like my grandparents because right. I'm not trying to work like freaking eight, 12 hours a day for someone else for 40, 50 years and just to retire and then be forgotten by that company or whatever else. Or, right. you know, or you've worked yourself so much that, you know, you end up getting sick and getting cancer or whatever else and all these different things. So I'm looking at all these models and they've served me 
you know, tremendously throughout my life, you know, and all I can hope is that, you know, I do the same for my kids too. Cause I'm not one of those parents who's going to be like these other parents. Like, you know, I want you to, you know, just to follow in my footsteps. I'm like, Nope, I need you to create your own path. Right. That's one of the first, that's one of the benefits of telling your children right off the bat, you know, especially getting toward graduation. Hey, uh, you know, there, there's a, now it's becoming a split view of this now, but you know, my thing is when you graduate, go away. <laughs> Not go away as I don't want to see you, but so you can go discover who you are. Don't right. be so close to this, this blank, this safety blanket of being home, you know, right. whereas now there's a flip side of that, that people say like a lot of parents today should, you know, encourage their kids to not go, you know, straight off to college or move out once they graduate high school, you know, take a year or two to kind of get themselves together. But I'm like, okay, that right there, you know, cause that keeps them out of debt and all these other problems and all sorts of problems. You know, but here's the, here's the issue with that. That sounds good on the surface, but the real, let's get down and go a little deeper. You're saying that because you most likely that parent did not, or those parents weren't pushing, I won't say pushing, but encouraging their children to learn more how to survive economically on their own, you know, right. learn how to be independent and self-sufficient and, you know, pretty much know how to, you know, make money and create businesses and invest and, and create something of their own and not be dependent on someone else or going out and sacrificing, you know, time and money, you know, to go, Hey, here's the thing that you're interested in, go learn that. And if you have to go do it for free for a while in order to learn the ins and outs of it, so be it. But the thing is you're young and you've got time. So take that and take that experience. And then you can go and do the thing that you want to do. So I feel like those conversations are not, included and that's the reason why they say oh just give them a couple of years because if you just send them right off the bat that's how so many are in debt and got student loans and blah blah we're like well or you could be like me telling my kids from the very start since like first or second grade if you want to go to college understand that's your choice that's your dream that's your goal that means that you need to finance it that is yours because i've gone to college i'm done i don't need to pay for something that does not include me and this does not include this is your life so if it's that important to you you will do whatever it takes to make sure that you do it but at the same time i highly suggest no loans if you have to take a loan out for it then you don't want it as because it's not a business it's not property it's not something that you can truly own and take it and actually it can actually increase your your financial wealth like that by going into debt for it. people sit and say well no you get your degree and you get a job and you don't no look at the statistics that's you can get that degree and, and get that job all you want, but it'll take you forever to work at that company or whoever else for working for someone else to pay off all that debt. Okay. Right. Is, is it really worth it? It doesn't make any sense, especially. And if you're going to get MBAs and all this other stuff, but why am I trying to go to a place that have to pay this exorbitant amount of money to someone to teach me about something that most likely they've never done. I'd rather, why not take that same amount of money? If you're going to put, Let's just say you're going to a local college. If you're going to take ten thousand dollars, you know that to spend, say, in the first, the last quarter of the year, which is pretty much where school, where school begins, you know, why not take that and go to a seminar, go to or a mentorship or something like that, and get it from someone who's actually doing the thing that you want to do to go learn from them, you know, and, and go learn from that and do that thing, or go to a place that country or whatever to experience the thing that you're interested in and learn firsthand, immerse yourself in it, you know, from people who are actually doing it. And then that right there, that's now that's an investment. That's not debt. So a lot of times these student loans, that's debt. 
But when you're taking care and you're investing in your, when you're actually paying for yourself, really putting it into yourself and to the thing that you truly are into, then that's an investment right there. So those conversations, a lot of times, you know, parents are not having that because why? The majority of us have been programmed to say, you got, you know, graduate, get a good job, go to school, go to college, get a degree, get another job, get married, have kids, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's the American dream. Well, that's a, that's all I grew up with. Both of my parents were PhDs, so they're obviously strong in in believers in education, in, yeah, in the academic system, right? And all their advice was go to college and get a job. That's all my mom could advise. That's all my father could say. My father was actually anti entrepreneur because he's like, man, my father, my grandfather was an entrepreneur, and he he just saw from his perspective, he just saw my grandfather working his ass off all the time. But what I saw is a guy who loved working his ass off, doing what he wanted to do for a living. That's the difference. Isn't it funny by perspective? My my father was a very intelligent guy, but he was also lazy. So his attitude was, I can go get a regular job and I'm so intelligent. I can do what I need to do probably in an hour. Then I can just kick back the rest of the day, read the Wall Street Journal, take a look at my stocks, sell some shit on eBay. (laughs) My dad's like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? You know how hard that is? He's like, look at my job. I get get a couple months off every year. I get this great pension when I'm done. I was going to say the pension. I knew it was coming up he had no excitement my dad had no excitement whatsoever i barely even know what he did for a fucking living that's how little he talked about it he would come home from work every day in a bad mood it's like don't bother dad you know he's got this dark cloud over his head he's snapping at people meanwhile my grandfather my grandfather would have done what he did consulting with companies for free he did do it for free after Mm -hmm. he retired he would still call people up and and give them advice and meet up with people and all that so he loved what he did for a living. He didn't He didn't have all these fucking hobbies. My dad was all, you're going to have to do a job that you don't like, and then you just make up for it with all of your hobbies. In his case, it was fly fishing, playing golf, stamp collecting, stocks, all this other bullshit. My attitude was, I don't really have a lot of hobbies. There's only one thing I'm really passionate about at that time, and that was fitness. And I was mm-hmm. into spirituality and all that, but I didn't see a, I didn't want to be a professor in a, right. in a, in a university. So I go, I'm going to make my hobby my vocation, and I'm going to make a really good living doing it. I don't believe in all these trade-offs you're talking about. I don't believe that if I pursue my passion, I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be some starving artist because I understand business. I did enough jobs helping other companies make money. Why don't I take those skill sets to my own business, You know, which is what I did? So I think that you have to, you have, to have the confidence to create your own life on your terms. You have to figure out what is important to you. Now, me, I'm very prone to depression. I can't just go work for somebody else for 40 years. I'll I'll blow my brains out within five years. And I'm not even joking when I say that. It's just I'm being emphatically truthful and honest about it. Now, that doesn't mean that it's that someone else shouldn't do it. I know people who work for for companies and they love it. And that's great. More power to you. I'm not telling you to quit your job and do what I do. But I know for myself that I can't do that and enjoy life. I'm going to be really depressed if I don't live on my own terms, doing something that is empowering, that helps other people, that helps animals. That's me. So I have to be really honest with myself. Just like what I was saying about last year, I took the brakes off on goals. I just kind of coasted through the year. And that was okay yeah. for a little while. But after a while, I go, I- I'm depressed. I-, I didn't even want to wake up most well, days. I, I, I know. We, we kind of, every time we like, we take some time off the show and come back, and it's like we both were experiencing the same thing because I pretty much did the same thing, you know, because, you know, we were waiting for the house to be finished. And, you know, I knew we were going to move. I was like, I don't want to get too wrapped up in anything else other than that. Right. And get that process taken care of because I don't want to I don't want to be distracted by other stuff, which left me, a, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, getting 
a home build and dealing with all the madness, whatever else, there's really not room for anything else because just when you get ready to start something else, then that actual project is calling you like, oh, we need to go sign this. We need to go pick this out. We got to go take care of this. Oh, here's a fire we got to put out because the builder knew this. this. So it always distracts stuff. Like it would be times we couldn't even do the show because like every time we schedule to record, then it's, and it seems like everything always happened on the day that we record. It's like, <laughs> oh, we need to go to, you know, we got to go to the um, the builders to go look at, read over this. I'm like, really like do we have to do we both have to be there <laughs> it's like why do you need both of us there you know so 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 I, that was most of 2022 the first half of it and so by that time now it's it's a pattern now. it's a it's pretty much this is the process of what i'm doing this year and so and then by the time you're done with it you're mentally you're so tired from the whole process <laughs> you know just like you know it's just really hard to get back and create you know creativity mode from there and so that was and it seemed like every time we got back on like yeah man just kind of been dealing with this been kind of <laughs> down and haven't really been feeling like working out just like oh, what you bring it up is a funny point i just thought of because <laughs> one of the reasons why i hated working for other people is at the end of the day i would be so tired that my workouts always sucked i mean yeah. i would get them in but they sucked and i was like man i need to quit this job because it's having a negative <laughs> impact on my yeah. work because <laughs> i mean it, to the point where <laughs> i was just i would do stuff just so i can say at least i still worked out but then i was like yeah but that was trash <laughs> I, was like, I was like what was that though it's like yeah, hey but my, my I, I moved are very important for my mood so if, I, if i'm living in a way where it has a really negative impact on my workouts that has a negative impact on yeah, my mood it's just like you now, other people may sound other people may look at that and say that sounds ridiculous no, it sounds people, like people who wake yeah. up and like they don't get their coffee first thing in the morning and just like yeah. you know it's like if i don't have my coffee man you know everybody needs to beware you know no, no, it's, just, like, it's like i said it, it's, it doesn't matter if it sounds ridiculous to someone else and it does, i don't need to hear from someone's like well you should do this you should do that no shut the fuck up with all that i don't need that advice i know what i need to do and i know right. how to create the life on my terms if i'm depressed it, it, it if i'm following someone else's advice and i'm depressed it, it's not going to get better me sticking with it it's no. just not no. so i have to i know what i need to do i've been i've been around for a while now i know what works for <laughs> right me. and I don't, I don't need to read another book on what i need to do i know what works for me i'm a very adrenaline intense based person that's why I don't hang around with a lot of people. One of the other reasons why I like to do my show is I get to talk to really interesting people because see, I don't yeah. know a lot of interesting people. And see, that, that was about to be my thing. Like, you know, I, I know like for you, you know, you're really adrenaline based. I'm very like psychological based. You know, that's always been my thing. I'm always, right. I'm always interested in things that challenge my mind and make me really look at the soul. It makes it very hard to have friends. You know, because a lot of times people aren't talking about or doing shit. That's, That's the problem right there. And it drives me crazy. So one of the reasons why, you know, I'm put like this, that year that we took off, you know, with the show, it's just like, it was just kind of like, uh, like everybody got on my nerves because <laughs> you're just like, yeah. God is like, you know, it's almost to the point where I was like, well, my one smart friend that I have is like, I don't get to talk to him on the regular like I used to. <laughs> That's <laughs> the same reason why I wanted to start doing this show, too. I was like, man, this shit's depressing. And my wife was, <laughs> she, started, she was getting concerned. She goes, and we need to start doing that show again just for my own health. Even if, dude, we, don't, if we don't release the episodes. We just my wife was getting concerned. She goes, What's, she'll be like when's the last time you talked to mike she would say that kind of often like, i said oh we i said we dm me you know we'll send each other dms and shit like yeah, that yeah that's not well, the same thing it's not the same that. man it's not the same. And she said it she goes mm. 
said, how, she said, how's that working out for both of you? Because she knows us. She's like, she said, because y'all don't really like people. I said, no, we don't like dumb people. I said, I said let's be more specific. We don't like dumb people and uninteresting people. Okay. Because well, people here's, just, here's the problem with people, right? I'm sure you can attest to this, is that it's much easier for other people to bring you down than it is for you to lift them up. But, but, but here's the problem with that, though. It's easy for them to bring you down. But you know what sucks about that? Those same people that con- they're the ones that constantly want to be around you because you make them feel good because because right. of the way you talk because you're yeah. talking in a language that they don't live or truly understand but it sounds so good you're like a walking motivational like yeah. oh Tony Robbins book they, they want to be around your positivity yeah they to my oh my god you know we, we need to we need to link up more often why you know well that, you- that that's why when when you have a let's say you go have lunch with them they leave feeling empowered and you leave tired like you have to go home and take <laughs> exactly. a nap. and see you yeah. know see that's my wife's problem because you know she's very she's an empath and she's very high energy and she's very she's a super duper extrovert you know and so she had like sitting here at home and working from home all that drives her crazy she has to be out and seeing people i'm just like i said i see all the people i need online i said you know the good thing about that is like once they're you know to the point where i'm like okay this is not working for me you know what i do i log off or i scroll (laughs) or i'll block or I'll delete, you know, I said, so I said, like, cause there's only a few people in my life that I can, that I call friends that I can talk to, you know, and, and I'm talking about not just talking about everything being so intellectual, whatever it's like the fact that they're intelligent enough that we can talk about a wide variety of things, whether it's just dumb bullshit or something truly, truly deep. And therefore, but the mood, but the, the level still doesn't change. Right. You know, it's just like, and, it, and they also, they're intelligent enough enough to know that if it's something that we're talking about that they have you know no knowledge with or experience with they're intelligent enough to go hmm you know i've never thought about that or i i don't know what that is i don't know can you tell me more you know and say oh that's interesting they understand they know their lanes they know they don't have to sit there and be the expert in everything right they don't feel their ego is not such a thing like Oh, I, I, I know about that. Or when you're talking to yeah. them, they, for some reason, they've got a story to go with everything you're saying. Or them, and you kind of look like that has nothing to do with what I was just talking about. Right. But, <laughs> it's like, but, but in their mind, they're like, oh, it's just like, oh, yeah, just like you. I blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not that's that's not what I was talking about. What do you what, what, is, <laughs> what, what, what where are we? What are we doing? <laughs> and, you know, so that so it, I would much rather just instead of being around someone who's so insecure because that's what it really comes down to. So insecure that, you know, they can't admit when they don't know something or about, about a topic, you know, or they're just not interested in whatever. I'd rather just sit home and just do what I love. I've been loving to do since I was a kid. I'd rather just go and look, immerse myself in something and get all the knowledge in these things that interest me. And well, I know there's a lot of things I'm interested in. For oh, is, I think you can agree with this too, is I like being around ambitious people. Yeah, that too. Just like, because, because I don't like the I'm same ambitious. old, same old people. And you I don't, know, I don't, like, what are you doing? The only, it's like, why am I the only one who's ambitious? No one else is ambitious. You know, that's where I started thinking in my head. Mm-hmm. Now, if I go meet up with someone like Tim Larkin, our mutual friend, Tim Larkin, yep. every time I meet up with him, I leave empowered. And so does he. It's mutual. Right. Because he comes with, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm trying to do. I say the same thing. And then we have a lot of common interests too. We talk about training. We talk about hormone optimization. We talk about peptides. So it's empowering. I learned some stuff from him. He learned some stuff from me. He'll often call me afterwards and be like, man, I got to tell you, I appreciate having you as a friend. I enjoy talking to you so much because I can tell he feels better in his voice. I can hear his voice. My voice is the same way. 
Now, those are the kind of people I like to hang around with. Now, I don't know that many people like that, though, unfortunately. Now, here's the thing I want to make a point of, too. I'm not saying that regular folks who are not ambitious are bad people in any way. I know a lot of nice people. My friends at the dog park, they're all very nice people. I like seeing them from time to time, but but I can't be around that energy every day. Like I have a certain amount slow. of time allotted for those type of things. You know, it's just like yeah, it's too slow paced, and it, there's it's too slow paced. First of all, and it's when contagious. I go walking with Raina, Raina's been waiting all day to go to the park. So we get to the park, and now we're gonna do this Tai Chi type walk where it takes <laughs> an hour to walk fifty yards, and everyone's talking, and then they stop when they want to. I was about to say, I was about to say, they walk and talk, and then they stop. It's like, I'm like, why are you stopping? You can't. You can still talk. Raina, Raina, so what, what are we doing here? I thought we were going <laughs> to, I thought I was going to be off leash by now, running around. Mm. And we're, we're going at this ridiculously slow pace. And then no, no one has, no one's ambitious and no one's talking about anything. Like, like I said, again, it's okay if you're not ambitious. It's okay if you're not goal driven. That's, that's, as long as you're happy doing what you're doing, that's fine. But that's, and don't not- get us wrong. I don't, I don't want to, now there's the opposite of that. I don't want to be around somebody so high energy and they're just everything is about, you know, the next thing that they're doing and all the time. It's like, okay, bro, <laughs> yeah. slow down a little bit though. Cause you, you're going to. Well, gonna I never, hurt. I never talk about things I'm trying to achieve to people outside of my close friends. Know, like, Cause they're always asking. Right? It's like, well, well are look, you a lot sure? of people at the park, they don't even know what I do for a living. In fact, that one of our friends, Alan, he's this guy. I think you yeah. met Alan one I time. He's an older guy. He moved to Israel. Great guy. Good friend of mine. We had this going away party for him. And I, I gave a speech about him. And people were sitting next to Carol and people are like tapping Carol on the shoulder going, wow, I didn't realize he was such a good speaker. It's like, wow, he has such a commanding presence. Now, these people have no clue what I did for a living, teaching all these seminars and writing books and designing supplements because I don't talk about it. I don't need to talk about it because it's boring to people that are not interested in this stuff. What am I going to do? I'm going to start talking about my supplements every time I see people at the park, (laughs) (laughs) like some network marketing douchebag. Hey, do you realize how important enzymes are? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i never met him who's enzyme <laughs> you guys look like you haven't had sex in a while let me get you on my <laughs> yeah hey, i was hey i was across the room i noticed that you had some bitch tits so uh can, can i talk to you about you know raising your testosterone <laughs> yeah your husband the other day told me you have a dry snatch so let me give you some help bump up like, the progesterone level <laughs> like sir this is a wendy's okay <laughs> <laughs> You know, what's funny is that so so after I gave that speech, I saw people at the park, people would be like, wow, I didn't realize you were such a good speaker. How'd you become such a good speaker? And then I told them about all the years I spent training and giving lectures and all. They had no clue because I never bring it up because I don't have to talk about myself. Right. I don't need validation from other people. I'm happy to do it. My friend Chris Becker, who was on the show talking about crypto, he didn't even know I sold supplements until someone else at the park. And he and I had talked probably five or six times at that point. And I never brought it up because I just didn't feel the need to. And then someone else told him, like, oh, yeah, Mike's really into hormones and he designs supplements for all that. And then he's like, oh, really? Well, I'm into that stuff. I need to talk to him about that next time I see him. Right. And there you go. It happened like that. Yeah. And just as a, on a more cautious tale, don't like talking about too much of what I do or my wife do or whatever, because no, there, there are people out there that are like financial predators. <laughs> because they'll start imagining things and hey, like, oh, then they must be doing this and they must have this. And they yeah, must you should have never this. talk about how much money you have. In fact, oh, God, no. People I know who are loaded, I'm talking $10, 50000000 million or more. You don't, no one knows that they have that money. You, know, no. you don't know looking at them. You don't know by the car they drive. The only reason I know is because I know them. 
I'm friends with them. So it's right. we have more candid discussions, but no one else knows and they don't want anyone else to know. No. It's always the people that are semi wealthy. They're not really wealthy. No, those are people. Those are people who are rich. Almost there. <laughs> they're, they're rich. They're not wealthy. <laughs> rich yeah. people love yeah. to talk about how much money they have and, and the things they have. Wealthy people don't want to talk about shit because they're That's too busy. Crazy. They're trying to offload it. And nine times out of 10 wealthy people. Well, when you really look at it, it's like, oh, you look at their books and look at their bank account. This dude's poor. How's he a billionaire? Right. They're cash poor. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? But you just have so, a lot of you're just you're just really good at debt management. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You don't really have any assets or any liquidity at all. You just have exactly. To, you're just really good at debt management. Yeah, that's a really good point. So there, there's look, a difference. I, I know I know people who talk about their personal lives way too much. Yeah. Like people at the park like, oh, my husband does this or my son was doing that. I'm like, why are you telling me that, man? I would never talk about this stuff. Well, we're in a culture now because you know, especially with social media, we're in a culture of sharing everybody loves to share because you know it's been it's it's now it's 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 okay you share everything you share how much you how much you make you share how much you paid in taxes last year you share, you share what's you share going on with your relationship you, you, share, share. you share what your you share what your literal ass looks like at this moment <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god i got a pimple on my ass sheet guys what should i do about fitness. it and there, there's an ass sitting there on your reels you're like okay there's only really one girl who's in the fitness who posts who posts about training who hasn't posted a picture of her ass there's probably one i can think of one about say, um, i i know like one that's one <laughs> that's like, i was like we know one i mean damn and it sucks that we it's a person that we both know it's like, yeah. we don't really have a separate one that's like oh you know no geez and i've seen her ass and it's very nice that's a separate storyline <laughs> <laughs> i'm very privileged on that front now let me oh, let me preface boy. this by saying that what this was some time ago okay now not recently you know <laughs> i have to edit that out <laughs> Well, we haven't named the person, so we're going to keep it that way now. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no. that, I'm just saying, look, show me how many guys that are into fitness, right? You're a trainer and all that. How many of them How many of them have not posted a pic of their abs at some point? Some do it every fucking Better day. yet, how many of them have not posted a picture of them with the damn shirt off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, geez, dude. It's like it's just like top or bottom. Guys give you the top, women give you the bottom in this, in this industry. It's just like, geez. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes it's a reverse. <laughs> sometimes the guy is the top and the bottom. I don't know. You know, it just depends. But yeah, so and the thing is they they, they post all this and show all this. It's not even they're not even making money from that. Right. <laughs> you know, right. but I don't know. It's just like, well, here's the problem is we're, we're all very dopamine driven creatures. And I made a post about this on, on Instagram with one of my training clips. So dopamine driven means you're looking for, you want, you want that reward pathway. Without, yeah. Without now, the, now the best way to get a dopamine response is to do something that requires effort, effort. Of accomplishment, whether it's a hard workout, whether it's writing an article, whether it's going for a hike, whatever it is, something that requires effort. I used to get a dopamine response when I taught seminars because you mm -hmm. were just, eight hours you're you're putting everything out there you're giving people all of this energy and that you're exhausted at the end of the day but you had a very strong sense of accomplishment right. that's one thing i do miss about teaching courses actually is that that sense of accomplishment where you're wiped out but you're like man i really put it all out there and people loved it but you can get that with day-to-day -day activities as well now all these things require effort what doesn't require effort is putting up a post on social media and getting a bunch of likes and people telling you how great you are watching television for four hours that those are things that require minimal effort. They go, they're very rapid solutions for boredom, but they're not satisfying in any way. No. Nah.
Because like, what did you do for that that little bit of whatever you that little bit of feeling good that you felt? What did you do for it? you sat down? You pressed the power button on your remote. <laughs> Some of the most effort you did was you were trying to find a channel. And there's a lot of them that feels like a workout in itself. Just trying to find, going through all these channels and <laughs> movies and everything you got in queue. You look at your queue, you've got like 400 movies in queue that you'd probably never get around to. Right. <laughs> it's like, but some people, hey, they were like, hold my beer. They'll try you. They'll try to go through all of them. Well, you know, the problem is you're just distracting yourselves. And look, I, I'm guilty of this like everybody else. I'm just distracting myself, whether it's with entertainment or stimulus. Or, I go or even just knowledge. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm like getting just immersed. Just like, okay. That's enough knowledge for today. Okay, now do some action. Right, okay. right. Put some that, of that knowledge to use now, you know, instead of walking around being Encyclopedia Brown, you know. Well, like I said, to, to, I'm prone to depression. In a lot of ways, that's a good thing because it helps me stay on course. So if I'm distracting myself all the time, I get depressed. And what's the solution? <laughs> Stop distracting yourself. <laughs> right. Because otherwise you're going to feel like shit. Now, some people, their their mood is steady no matter what goes on. So they're not, they're not prone to these ups and, ups and downs. Right. That's that's great in terms of your daily sanity. It's not so great, though, when it comes to achieving anything impressive, because you're never driven to get outside that comfort zone. You're in this steady lane. You feel fine there, but you're not going to you're not going to do anything impressive. And that's okay as long as you don't mind the fact that you're not going to do anything impressive. (laughs) But I could just tell you, people that do things that are impressive, they're not in this balanced state. You have to go into an imbalanced state to get things done. You can bring it back to balance later, but you you can't just be in this middle lane all the time and expect to achieve anything. Right. Because you're sitting in that middle lane and you got people on these other lanes just passing you by and just zooming by and you're like, what? You're just watching the traffic go and you're pissing off everybody behind you because you're going too slow. (laughs) Well, that's the other reason why I love talking to ambitious people because you talk to them and they're talking about all the things they're doing and you're like, man, I need to get some shit going too. Step my game up. Like, man, I'm tripping. I don't want to meet up with them again and I'm just listening to them talk about all the stuff they're doing and I don't have jack shit to contribute. Yeah. And usually people and no one's doing anything, then you're going, okay, I don't really need to do anything. I mean, (laughs) I'm good. They're good. good. People in my inner circle, no one's doing anything in my inner circle. So why should I be the one to step out? (laughs) And on downfall with that, sometimes like, especially if you're a person that, you know, that has goals or whatever. And when you surround yourself with people who are less ambitious, you start feeling ambitious remorse, (laughs) you know, somewhat you start feeling guilty of your ambition. You start feeling guilty of your success because everyone around you is just, they're so happy living in mediocrity. And so then just for you, even if they ask what's going on with you and you're truthful about it, you know, they think that you're bragging. I'm just right. like, no, it's just like, I'm actually, I'm doing, I'm not bragging. I'm doing, that's the thing. I'm not doing this thing that I, that I, that, that drives me, that motivates me. I'm going for it. I'm not just sitting here thinking about it or dreaming about it or talking about it. I'm doing it. And it's not my fault that my actions make you feel like crap because you're choosing, you're choosing not to do anything. Well, you know, when, when, you're, your when you're your authentic self, those people are just going to go away organically. Exactly. Not gonna be around. You'll find that. I found that when I got mm-hmm. into the fitness business and I was very ambitious with trying to get things done, friends of mine that I had where they're not trying to really do anything, all of a sudden you've gone five years without talking to them. Just yeah. because, because there's nothing in there's you're not in the same vibration anymore, and they know it, and you know it. So there's really nothing much to talk about anymore. Hey, look, we've we've That's got like, mutual we've got mutual friends like that that you and I both know, and oh, they yeah. they yeah. fall into the wayside, you know. Yeah, yeah. And all the years that you and I have known each other, and that probably thinking we, about the same exact. Oh yeah, and we were very close to now. these people, and now <laughs> it's just like where are they? It's it's like an episode of where are they now? Uh, <laughs> you know?
So yeah, man. But you know, the thing is, hey, I, I accept life for what it is. You know that th- again, things come and go like seasons. You know that that was a season. You know it was it was cool while it was you know happening. You know those friendships or whatever, and at the time, but you know. It, nothing ended off bad or negative with these folks or yeah. whatever, but you know, life goes on. Everybody's lives are different. And, you know, you accept that and you move forward and it's just, Hey, you know, you still, you, if you see them, it's like, Hey, what's going on? If you know, in the same place you, and, and there it is, you know, but you realize that, you know, you just had different goals. You had different ambitions and it is what it is. So right. it's nothing to feel bad about. It's just like, Hey, there was no ill intent, you know, when we were all cool or, you know, close, but Hey, Things, you know, people move on. Right. Now, and now I think that's what people have a problem with is moving on. It's like yeah. sometimes they feel guilty about it. Like, hey, hey, it's a season. Move forward. Right. I don't feel bad about that freaking snow from 2021 that happened here in Houston. <laughs> you know, right. I love the snow and it was an experience, but it was an experience. I don't sit there and feel guilty about it or feel some type of way about that. It happened, you know. It's my, I learned a lot of things during that, but I don't harp on it. It's gone. It's over. You know, it served its purpose in my life. You know, in well, my not, not everyone is meant to be in your life for your entire life. Oh, hell no. There's, there's plenty of people that come in and you it's learn like family members that, you know, <laughs> that fit yeah. that category. Well, sometimes you, you, you develop a friendship with someone, you learn whatever you needed to learn from that friendship. And then yeah. it goes on. And you don't you don't have malicious intent for the other person. There wasn't some big falling out. I mean, sometimes there's a big falling out, and that's the reason. But other times yeah. it's just. And even then, it served yeah. its purpose, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, then, then you learn something about yourself as well, and mm-hmm. that's that's always valuable. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you learn <laughs> something about yourself. But you Although, want to repeat it over and over. Again. Exactly. I was like, otherwise, you repeat it. And you, you, yeah. Oh, you know, like I said, you know, to my. Same, same hell, different devil, you know? Well, it's like some of these rock stars who keep marrying the same person. And I don't mean literal same person. I mean the same Same, type of person. Same personality. They have a type. They've gone through four divorces and they can't figure out why it's not working. And then you look at the people they were married to and it was the same exact personality (laughs) type every single time. Right. Yeah. So you can say that with anything else. He goes, mm-hmm. look, you may you may get into something and let's say you may get into the fitness business and it's your passion for 10 years and then it isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, that sucks because this was my passion. But now you're going to be passionate about something else. Exactly. It's like it's, it's OK to, to move on. It's like a it's like a relationship. It's like, hey, sometimes you got to you got to end it and hopefully you end on a good note. It's like, hey, I didn't. When I moved on from teaching, you know, actually being an instructor in fitness, you know, I felt nothing. At this point, I'm moving away from instructing with personal defense because I'm, I feel like, hey, I, I've, I think I've reached my pinnacle with that now, you know, and right. it's, it's like we're seven, eight, eight years going on into that thing now, you know, and again, I don't feel that that energy that I felt before and that passion about it the way I did before, you know, and it's one of those things kind of like <clears throat> with kettlebells and everything else. I feel like now at this point is the market's very oversaturated. There's so many other people out there just get into it that are energetic and so gung ho about it. And so at this point, I'd much rather refer people to other people at this point. Well, that, that's the, that, that's a good statement right there is that you want to refer people to, you want to refer people to experts that are more enthusiastic than you are, because yeah. otherwise we're doing that person a disservice. I have people come to me all the time going, do you do hormone consults, blah, blah, blah. Now I don't really have any desire to do it. So that's a good enough right. reason not to do it. Number two, I don't need the money. I don't have to do things I don't want to do for money, right. which is a great place to be. So not everyone can say they're in that situation, but I am in that situation. So I'm not going to just 
say yes to everything that comes my way when my initial thought in my mind is I don't want to do it. But I know people who do want to do it and they're very enthusiastic to do it. And now it's a win-win for everyone because they're going to go to someone that's enthusiastic to help them. That person's going to make some money. The customer is going to have a good experience and it's going to reflect well on me too, that I made that recommendation because a lot of people don't do that. They have such a scarcity mindset that they don't want to say no to anything because they're thinking, if I say no to this, then they're going to go somewhere else. And, and that's money I could have been making is the I'm mentality. Like, I'm like, but you've just wasted your time doing something you don't feel passionate about anymore. You could have been doing something that you're passionate about, which right. is going to eventually create whatever you need financially. Right. You know? Right. So I'm like, you're, you're, you're really, you're blocking your blessings, as my grandmother would say, you know? Yeah. And you're blocking someone else's. So it's like a double whammy. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just I, I had just like really no desire for that. You know, I don't mind uh like just in passing a consult or whatever, just you know, if someone asks me a question, then you know, no problem. You know, but to actively set up classes and do all I'm like ah, mm-mm, nope, not trying to do all that's that. how I felt about kettlebell seminars. I mean, from yep, about same thing. I'm feeling that I'm feeling that feeling again, bro. It's just like uh, I know this feeling. I've been there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just have to be honest with yourself. 2002 to about 2013, I would say I was very enthusiastic. I would go through some ups and downs where I wasn't too enthusiastic, but overall I was really happy to do it. And then I noticed around 2014, 15, that enthusiasm started waning. And then it got to the point where I, where I go, I got to stop doing this because if I keep doing this, other people are going to be telling me why you do this. <laughs> you don't seem like you want to be here if I keep doing this just to make money. And even though the kettlebell market is saturated and all that, I, I never worried about that as how it would affect me because I always felt that people came to my courses for me, not exactly. kettlebell necessarily. Yeah. So I, I, I never worried about competition because it's not about learning how to use kettlebells. It's learning from me how to use kettlebells in my specific methodology. Yep. So it was never a, it was it wasn't a financial decision as in oh I'm not getting the numbers to I'm not getting people aren't interested in coming to my courses anymore. People still were. I just wasn't interested in doing it anymore. And fortunately, at that same time, my supplements started blowing up and I was in a position where I didn't have to do it anymore if I didn't want to. And right. same thing with online program design. Same thing with a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, too. <laughs> now, maybe maybe it'll circle back at some point. But right now, probably not. Because what what I the things <laughs> I'm doing now is what I really like doing. I like having conversations with people putting out content. I don't need to make money off that content with YouTube advertising or pitching some bullshit products and all that sponsors, none of that shit because I put out good content. It drives people to my website and people buy my products and enough people do that, that I don't have to stress about content where I'm thinking, okay, what guest should I get on? That's going to blow up my numbers. More traction is no, it's like, no, just talk to people that you're interested in talking to, even if it has nothing to do with your business, because it's going to be an interesting conversation. It's going to be good for you. Number one, to have an interesting conversation and it may not do anything for your business, but it doesn't matter because you're you're being truthful to who you are. You're doing what is that that trend that enthu- that genuine enthusiasm is coming through. And trust me, that carries over into your business. So you are doing something for your business, even though it may not seem like it's very directly related to your business, right? You know, because hell, it's actually helping you become a better communicator. You know, that's especially with, with various answer. points of view, and you like, huh? Okay, so and, and which is always a good thing. It's just like. I think that's, that's another main goal of mine is just really spend more time with people who have an intelligent, different point of view. <laughs> you know, there are some people that want to argue. 
or it's just their way. That's the only way in their belief and blah, blah. But, you know, now my thing is just more just like really seeing people's point of view and just really picking apart, like how they got there with that line of thinking, you know, I'm really focusing, getting back just to my whole, just love of psychology again. And it started coming out of last year, but, but I'm just really, even though I'm just kind of see what people post online now, certain people that I know and just really, Hmm. Okay. And I'm, I'm just really getting back into really checking out human behavior and really kind of digging that. Cause I'm learning so much from it. And so it's, it's more of like, okay, I'm like, it's like this big lab experiment now where I got all these, especially now, especially a few years after the pandemic and all that now. It's now, it's really interesting just to see how people are. It's been almost three years now, starting like next month, it'll be three years since it first started. Right. You right. know, so now, now it's like, okay, everybody's back out, you know, and, you know, everybody, every government official said that it's over and, you know, it's not a problem anymore. So now let's see how people are. You know, let's really check out and not just with each other, but how they are now approaching life. Like, did did it really change you and change your behavior or make you, you know, to think like, you know what, I need to quit wasting time or maybe, you know, just kind of or see what came to fruition out of that. Because put it like this, even like at the height of the pandemic, you had all these people who I mean, the market was great because the money printer was on during in 2020 and and most of 2021 so everybody in investing whatever they were an expert right Right. now we're in this bear market now it's interesting to see all these superstars of 2020 and 2021 that was investing in superstars and all this other stuff to see where they are now it's it's interesting to see how many are missing in action you know their channels are gone they haven't posted content in a while or you know they're just you know now they're so bearish and they're so negative and and then, then also to watch the ones who are shining and still finding ways to, you know, still build in this bear market. Because honestly, this is kind of like during recessions and times like this, this is where the real, the, the real wealth is built. You know, basically when there's blood in the streets, this is when everybody's accumulating who's smart enough to know the game. But everybody else, it gets euphoric, gets in FOMO when, you know, there's a, a bull market. When everything is great and everybody's jumping in and buying stuff at the high, <laughs> you know, but then when a situation like what's going on now happens, then everybody's pissed. They're like, oh, man, I'm down like 99 percent, blah, blah. I'm like, OK, but if you truly believe in what you were like investing in, you should be buying it while it's on sale. You should be accumulating the hell out of it right now because everybody's selling right now. So you should be buying. So, you know, so it's just. Again, and this is the stuff that fascinates me because I look at just like the whole investing. Like I really enjoy the psychology of of creating wealth and the psychology of investing. You know, look how people's mindsets are because it carries over into so many other things. You know how people are, and just like, huh? Because one thing about it, no matter what the situation is, human behavior, man, it's still sadly very predictable. No matter what, <laughs> whether you're talking about money, relationships, business, fitness. <laughs> goals in the beginning of the year compared to the end of the year even like okay everybody talks about their fitness goals at the beginning of the year but no one really truly talks about their fiscal goals for the year and break that down like everybody wants to talk about like okay i'm gonna do i'm gonna go work out three times a week or four times a week blah blah but they don't talk about how much they're gonna put back or percentage of their income each week they're gonna put back into a certain thing like say they're gonna put into a stock and they're just gonna you know, dollar cost average this stock. I'm, I'm going to put $50 in a Tesla every week and just right. set it, forget it, and move on. 
you know, and not look at my portfolio or, you know, I'm going to put a little bit more in my IRA. I'm going to, or if you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you know, Hey, I'm just going to put out one more, an extra article this week, you know, so I'm going to make sure that I'm posting some, another video over here. I'm going to make sure I create, you know, content over in, on this platform, you know, each week or one day it's just all, I'm just going to focus on recording videos. And another day I'm just going to focus on writing, you know, at least two hours a week or something like that. And actually, you know, getting that structure like that, you know, so it's just, like I said, it's just, everybody loves to talk about, like I said, just the whole fitness aspect and their diet and exercise routines, but no one really breaks down what they're going to do in other aspects of their life. Like hell, even if you're single and you're like, you know what, I'm actually going to, you know, go out at least on one date a week, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, just cause it's a numbers game. Everything's a numbers game. And the more and more you get out there, you know, eventually you're going to get that one that wins. You know, right. you can't right. do it. Just sitting back, just thinking about like, even with clients, you know, you sit there and, you know, um, some people still doing cold calls or whatever, you know, as far as the business. Okay. But again, it becomes a numbers game, you know, set a goal. How many, how many calls are you going to do each day, each week, you know, and go from there. Now, once you get, let's say you put in a hundred calls in a week and you got two people that, you know, respond now, which, you know, which packages are you going to sell them and why, and why should they buy? You should ask yourself, why would they want even to buy this? Why would they even want my services for this? And then, again you got one for one certain income one for another so and you know basically you're gonna kind of have to come with them differently because one might look at you like oh, that sounds cheap and they see no value in it <laughs> you know whereas the other one's like oh that's that's a little bit out of my price man you gotta make a decision do you want to deal with that or do you want to deal with a more high-end person you know because not on paper it usually says that that's gonna be a little bit better quality client or whatever but sometimes it's not because they feel a little, sometimes they feel entitled to the fact they're spending so much money. They feel like they own you and that you should only focus your attention on them and no one else. <laughs> so yeah, you got to think about all those things and break that down. And how, what does that look like to you? And especially, you know, in these next, in these coming months, you know, again, like I said, yeah, we know time is just a concept. And this really next 12 months is just like, I say, it's just something that we all just made up and gave value to, but, but it does give you markers to keep, to get you going. Instead of just being like, oh, time doesn't exist. <laughs> and then it's just like, okay, well, then it makes it very hard to set any real goals, you know? Any- yeah, that, the other factor with goals is you have to have a deadline because otherwise yeah. there's no urgency and it doesn't get done. Nope. Like, I want to achieve this. When do you want to do it? Oh, when it happens, yeah. it'll happen. Like, <laughs> exactly. well, let, me say, let me take you to the end of the book. It's not going to happen. Let me go and spoil the movie for you, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. People who don't have a sense of urgency, nothing gets done. That that's, I, I would say having a sense of urgency is crucial. Come on, let me go ahead and tell you how the movie of your life is going to end right here, the movie of your career. It dies at the end. <laughs> it's like, well, damn, dude. Well, even something simple. I'm going to get my 10,000 steps in every day. Okay, well, what time am I going to do it? Because I need to, to make this a habit. I can't just right. be like, well, you know, one day I'll do it in the morning, then I'll do it in the night, another day. No, 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 no. <laughs> that doesn't work for my brain. I need to go, okay, three o'clock, we're out the door doing our two hour walk. So my brain will always come up with some other stuff to do at that time. You know, if it's just lofty, like, oh, today I'll do it around lunchtime. And then lunchtime comes, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. And then you're eating like, yeah, I feel like walking right now. Let me let this. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, you want to be motivated to get these 10,000 steps in and be accountable, get an active dog because that yeah. will because sometimes you don't want to do it for yourself. And if you, and if it's just you, it's easy to say, yeah, I'll just skip today, but I don't want to let Raina down. I know Raina needs that. I want to be a good dog parent to her. <laughs> you know, I and know and they'll let you know, you got to look at the alternative because if they're not getting that energy out, 
Oh, man. Because the thing is, their sleep schedule is not yours. <laughs> so they want to be active. Like, if they've done nothing at all during the day, oh, they're going to try to find things to do at night just when you're ready to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She'll be waking me up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom because she needs to get to the park and get some adrenaline going like yeah. a cup of coffee in the morning to get everything <laughs> out. And that's the yeah. other factor. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah, some level of accountability is good, too. That's where if like Hicks and Gracie has a statement where you, if you're one stick, no matter how strong that one stick is, you can break it. But if you're if you have four or five people that are strong, now you have four or five sticks and that's very difficult to break. Right. And, and that's why having a, a peer group that reinforces what you're trying to achieve. So that's why, look, people that are really good at jujitsu, they're not good at it by just watching videos and doing it at home by themselves. They're training with other people. The best power lifters, they 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 train at a place like Westside, where it's other people that have similar goals, and it's all it's a motivating. Yeah, they're, not, they're not doing it. Planet, they're not at Planet Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying that you can't achieve a lot of these things on your own, but what I am saying is that if you're around other people that have this have a similar mindset, it's going to fuel your own mindset that much further. Yeah. Not everyone, not all of us are in the, in this situation. I'm certainly not. I don't know anyone who's into intense training out here. At, at the same time, I don't really need it because I've been doing this for a long time. It's a habit. Yeah. This is more useful for people that are in the early stages, such as what I said about it's a lot easier to be pulled down by people than to lift up people. That's primarily true with people that are at the early stages of goal acquisition, meaning that they haven't achieved any major goals yet. They're just on that process. When you've been, when you've had, when you've had goals that you've achieved for many years, you've developed a habit of goal acquisition. So you don't necessarily need that external motivation anymore. And you're also not susceptible to the opposite of external motivation where people are trying to detract. I mean, people come to me and they're trying to take my energy. They they get told to fuck off real fast. Right. Now, I don't let people like that within a 50 yard radius of me. So I don't have to worry about that. I'm not friends with anyone. I'm, I don't mean acquaintances. I mean, actual friends with people that are not ambitious because we're, we're just not going to be a fit for each other. They're going to think I'm too intense. I'm going to think they're not intense enough. Right. <laughs> you know? it's like, gonna damn be- bro. Like you, you're doing a lot. And I'm like, damn bro, you're not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> I look, like you're not going to go to happy hour on Friday and find me there. No. <laughs> that's just not my crowd. <laughs> no. So, so yeah, man. Um, yeah, I wish, like, I don't know. That's just, I, I feel this year, this time around, you know, feeling way, the energy is a little different than this time last year. Oh, One thing I was kind of looking at, you know, just as um, I was seeing you link to, you know, Dada, I was like, it was hitting me. I was like, damn, this year we've been doing this show for 10 years. Yeah. Like we started in 2013. It's right. Crazy. Right. That's exactly. That's right. And I'm just like looking just like at the caliber of just all the people we spoke, you know, had on this show during that right. time. You yeah. know, even just right out the gate, it's like there are some people I, I remember. <laughs> I remember when I came out there to a podcast. um, um convention in the very right. beginning i came out there um and i remember some of these high caliber people who had who had we were just getting started these people had their podcast for a while i mean they already had like a large listenership and you know they were at the top of the rankings and yada 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 but then we were, we're just in casual conversations you know those bar those conversations at the bar in the back of the room whatever and just talking about some of the people we had on our show and they were like wait a minute 
you had Robert Green on your show? <laughs> how long you guys yeah. been doing it? I'm like, mm, a few months. <laughs> well, how did you how did you get him? I'm like, I said, well, my my partner in the show, he just reached out and he, he replied. Wait, what? <laughs> now, I'll, tell, I'll tell you how we got them, because I read a book called The Aladdin Factor, which is basically the power of asking. Yeah. People just reject themselves. They don't ask a girl out because in their mind, she's automatically going to reject him. So exactly. they stop him. Like, oh, I'd love to have Robert Green on, but why would he want to come on the show? We don't have enough listeners. Maybe our attitude is like, why wouldn't he want to come on here? It's like, if we're, you know, our attitude is like, we're different than these other shows. because and, and guess what? Almost all these people who would be considered high caliber guests love coming on the show because we didn't ask them that same typical bullshit all the other shows would. Yeah. You know, and it, it felt well, like my a attitude com- wasn't even my attitude was, was I'm just going to ask people. Right. I'm not going to sit there and try to frame it like, oh, here, here's what we, I never tried to explain the show to anyone. I was never going, here's how many listeners we have. And right. here's what we have going on. Here's why you should do it. None of that stuff. I just said, Hey, love to have you on the show. And then people would either say yes or no. Exactly. And then you just move on to the next. <laughs> and at, at that time, it was the early stages of podcasts. So that yeah, you didn't not... have any podcasts as there as out there now. Now people, now it would be more difficult. I'm not saying you shouldn't ask, but I'm saying now it would be more difficult because people get so many requests yeah. that they have to dig a little bit deeper and look into the numbers and see what your audience is all about to see if it's worth their time. Because you right. can't just give two hours to every single person or even an hour that asks you. But at that time, it wasn't a lot of, there weren't as many shows, number one. And number two, a lot of people had trepidation about even asking. Yep. So those two things work in your favor. Where other people are not willing to ask, I'm willing to ask. And just the fact that I'm willing to ask, you're more likely to, you're you're definitely more willing, you're definitely more likely to get a yes if you ask than if you don't ask, that's for sure. (laughs) To my, you know, a lot of people like say, well, What's the worst that can happen? They can say no. I'm like, why is that the worst that could happen? Sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, I never say oh, the worst they can do is say no. I'm like, no, they can either say yes or no. That's how I frame it. Yeah. And that's it. There's but no worse or good. Got or... Someone to, once someone agreed, someone like Robert Green, I was thinking, okay, I don't want to waste this guy's time. And I've, right. I've read his books, but I'm going to put together a bunch of questions. I'm yep. going to make sure I'm not asking him stuff he's answered a million times. Now you do that too. What we got Matt Brown on, I go, okay, I'm not going to ask him the same bullshit he's heard a million times where we got. How'd you get started in the fight game? Johan <laughs> Hari on. We're not going to ask him the same questions he's been asked a million times. Right. Because why, why do I, I don't need to ask a question that I already know the answer to. That's not interesting to me. Exactly. And if I'm going to have, you know, if we're going to have people like that on the show, I'm going to try to make this as personal as possible. I'm like, okay, since I have you here, <laughs> let me frame some of these questions that are more personal. You know, so because probably won't have this opportunity again. Why not now? So, and what year did you start shaving your back and butt cheeks? Was it when you? (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee you, no one's asking that question. And when you use your clippers, do you use do you when you shave your back? Do you do it at number four or do you do number two on the clippers? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's oddly specific, but I used three. Oh, I knew it! I knew it! Damn it! I knew it was number three. Law of averages once again. <laughs> well, one thing, one thing you would, one thing I remember is when people like Ty Ritter. One thing we heard a lot of time, a lot of times from people over the years is people would say, "Wow, no one's ever asked that before." Whether it's Ty Ritter, oh, yeah. <laughs> or Stephen Colker. I mean, there's so many people. I remember that coming up often, where you yeah. could even tell they were a little bit mystified. They would chuckle a little bit, going, "Man, no one's ever asked me that before." <laughs> right. Like if I asked Ty Ritter, I go, "How can you still have faith in your religion when?" 
you've seen all the atrocities you've seen before. And he was mm-hmm. kind of stumped by that because yeah. he never thought of it that way. And I wasn't just trying to knock his religious beliefs. I was just curious. I go, I'm curious. How do you still have faith in the world given you've seen humanity at its worst? You've seen the darkest parts of humanity, you know? Like, you know, like how, yeah, it's can funny. That, how can you believe that there's still order to all of this shit with the stuff you've seen? You know? Right. It, you know, ironically, um, we were just talking about, my wife and I were just talking about Ty the other day. And I'm just like, so man, to have seen the things this man has seen in the last 50 years. I said, in all the years I've been on this planet, the things that he's seen, I said, and to still do this. I said, yeah, like, yeah, he's, it's coming, you know, to the point where I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, what happens when he's gone? Like, who's going to carry this on? Like, that's like my concern. I, Cause again, death has been this thing around my focus. I'm not wishing, I'm not saying he's going to do it, but I'm just like, okay, we're all getting older. You know, so I always want, okay, what is the legacy going to be like? Who? Uh, I'm hoping uh, that. I he, can tell you, I, I actually had a really good call with Ty maybe a week ago, two weeks okay. ago. We talked for about two hours and he's in, a, he's in really good spirits. And he did talk about some of that stuff. So I think people should feel secure that Project Child Save is in place and will keep going. Because that was my thing. I said, I, said, I hope he has some contingencies yeah. in place. And, and yeah. you know, I said, because I, I said it would really suck. You know, even if it gets to the point where he's just like, okay, I need to take a step back. I hope someone can just take the reins and keep it going or whatever. Because, you know, for, for the longest. Well, he has taken a step back in the sense that he doesn't actually go on the missions anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's more mission control. And that's not surprising because, look, he's in his 70s, I believe. Right. So you don't, you don't necessarily want to be out there in the field at a certain point. You might be more of a liability in the field at a certain right. point. But he's he's a strategic guy. He's the total asset because he has so much experience in the field that he is a necessary factor to instruct other people on how to deal with situations in the field. Right. And what he's doing now, he can sustain for a much longer time frame. Yeah. So yeah, we were just having a discussion about that because I was like, yeah, oh, because we were basically we were just talking about like all the, all the Epsteinish people in the world, you know, in Hollywood right now, and all these things that are coming to light, and all these things being covered up, and then just even stuff with you know with FTX and Sam Bankman Freed, and then all these connections, and then just going down that rabbit hole that, that people really they're not talking about in the media. So then it it always comes back to me like you know think goodness that we have people like Ty in the world you know because well, I mean, the real problem with human trafficking is that a lot of people are making a ton of money off of it so there's there's people with a lot of power that have no desire for it to end because no. it's not in the best financial interest that's the real problem right there is that this is the number two income source for big criminal conglomerations which is and it's and it's tied to the number one source you know so they're they're interact so it's basically it's hard to even call it number two when it, that and the number one, or they're both one and the same, <laughs> you yeah. know, so crazy, yeah. Yeah. you know, and like I said, there, like you said, there's no incentive to end it, you know, because, you know, it starts hitting people in their pockets. I mean, and, because, and not enough people are demanding for it to end. Exactly. And that's you the thing about it. Topic, nobody wants to hear about it. Well, I mean, shit, I'm again, going back to just, you know, Hollywood or whatever. It's like so many people, they're, they're much rather, focus on their careers if they bow down and they agree to the stuff or they look the other way, right. you know, even just the bank system. I mean, I mean, hell man, Epstein's fucking bank accounts never got shut down with chase and chase always looked the other way when he right. was setting up all the stuff, but right. you know, so, but yet and still, you know, chase carries on and they have the nerve to talk about like crypto is a scam and, and it's terrible. And it, you know, and it's one of the worst things happened to humanity and all these criminals can use it, you know, for their criminal enterprise. I'm like, yeah, like your bank. 
<laughs> you know, like well, what I mean, you guys Ty, Ty had it. Project Child Save had an issue with Bank of America because Bank of America right. wouldn't take that wouldn't process their fundraising because they found out that the organ that there's guns involved with the organization. I know, yeah, there's guns utilized. So Ty had to set up a whole new bank account and all that. That's why yeah. there was a, a period where they were. He was going, okay, just stop with the donations for now until I figure this out. But anyway, they figured out the whole thing and everything is running smooth right now. So here you go, a bank, mm-hmm. they're 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 complicit with Epstein, but they're like, oh, we don't want to do business with a guy who's trying to save kids. Yeah, but again, that comes down again to to the it comes down to the money because you know, all those anti-gun groups put the pressure on them and they're screaming the loudest. So those who make the most noise are the ones right. who, who get heard. Right. And the thing about it, and the problem with people who are in the gun community, if you want to call it that, you know, people who are in the self-protection community, you know, they don't make enough noise because they're going about their lives and they don't want to make a bunch of noise because they don't want to have to use them. Really. Right. Right. You know, they truly, that's just something that's like, okay, they don't want to make it. But the thing is, when you start talking about the people who are making the most noise about it, there's a reason why the majority of those who finance those things are making so much noise because it did, it, it does come down to control. You really can't control people who can protect themselves. Okay. Right. I was like, can right. you imagine if there weren't any gun laws that, you know, pr- that prohibited black people from having them during slavery, it wouldn't be slavery. Right. Can you imagine if there weren't any gun laws that took away guns in, in Nazi Germany during the thirties, you know, then there would not be a Holocaust. All Jewish citizens would have clapped back, but they made sure to take away their right, their their need and their form of protecting themselves first. And they made it seem like it was a good idea. And this is, hey, this is to protect you. They 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 make it look smooth and pretty, you know, and it seems like, oh, it's safe. And that's how they get you, you know, because the thing about it, we all know at the end of the day, and I know this probably people in their beliefs who are kind of detached from common sense think that, okay, at the end of the day, these laws don't affect criminals. So it makes me wonder, like, I think if we, we don't address things the right way. So instead of saying anti-gun, I, I always say pro-criminal, <laughs> you know, my thing is when you sit there and you take it out of the hands of good, good citizens, then you're arming the criminals, you're empowering them, you're on their side. So you're pro-criminal, you're pro-rapist, robber, drug dealer. You're all pro those things. So Yeah. Let's just call it for what it is, because what's the opposite of that? You know, that means you're also against even those who are in who serve us, you know, whether it be the military or, you know, police, whoever. That means you can't pick and choose. Either you are, you're for it or you're not when it comes to that. Are you for protecting the rights of good people or not? That's that's what it is, because understand criminals don't care. Anybody's going to do harm to somebody. They don't care about what you're talking about. And you're screaming and, and you're begging. So trying to take away somebody's bank account that's trying to do something good. Like it says a lot about you. So it's like, Oh, so what you're saying is you're pro human trafficking. Right. And the thing is Ty and his, you know, and project shots that it's so focused on the mission. They don't have time to go make a big stink about it on TV and marches and all this other stuff to protest against bank of America. They have, they have lives to save. They don't have time for that, but yet and still there are people out here that that love to go and march and protest, they could be out there doing that, you know, or just don't do business. That's how you really get the chance. Don't do business with Bank of America. If that's the route they want to take, withdraw your money from them. Same thing with Chase. If you know they're going to back Epstein, not close accounts, why are you doing business with them? Right. 
you know, don't just take your money out, especially people who have a lot of money with them. That's really what gets their attention. They're like, well, what's going on? You know, and make a big stink about it while you're doing it. It's like, I'm not going to do business with that person. And this is the reason why I'm not doing business with that bank. You know, they support human trafficking. Oh, trust me. They'll, they'll hurry up and like, no, 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 no. We didn't. Uh, yeah, whatever. What? Do, okay. Let's say you didn't know. What are you going to do about it now? Now, you know, <laughs> what are we doing about it? Or even if it was somebody that was in that position before you <clears throat> we're like, well, that was the old regime. You know, since I've been there, I wasn't aware. Okay. Let's say you're actually telling the truth. Okay. But now you are, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to, how are you going to write that wrong? You know? So again, well, the, problem is the masses aren't going to do anything about anything, no matter how much information you well, get. No, they're going on with their own That's lives. That's a sad reality. You know? Well, part of it also is that, for example, here's a simple one. A lot of chocolate companies support manufacturers or the processing that use child slavery. Pretty much every major chocolate retailer out there has chocolate that's part of the manufacturing process involves child slave labor all over the world, mainly in Africa. Now, when you enlighten people about this and they see all their favorite candy bars on the page, very few will actually make any decisions that change, change their mindset. They'll try to rationalize it saying, well, it could be worse for them or like, oh, I don't know about that. Or that these other ones you're recommending are too expensive. And that's just something really simple and basic. I mean, I, I posted something the other day. I'm like, you know, people revere Steve Jobs as this this genius or whatever, but he made billions off of the child labor. I mean, right. to this day, all our Apple products, everything, right. almost everything with a chip in it. It's like people are in the Congo dying, you know, for that cobalt that goes in all the chips and everything that we're using. Well, well that's why Robert Greene's saying you're not as good of a person as you think you exactly. are. That's what I, this is the kind of stuff I think of when mm-hmm. I hear that statement, because think of all the things we're complicit in. We put gas in our cars. We're yeah. pretty much supporting, you know, the rape of women in, you know, in the Middle East. You know, you yeah. support organizations who, yeah. who are against women's rights. But, right. you know, you can't call yourself a feminist if you're still driving. Can you? <laughs> Can you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, where's all the oil come from? It comes from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right. Well, what is their track record with human rights violations? Very high. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, and, you know, majority of them don't like black people. So you support racists too. <laughs> right. Every time you drive, but you're pro-black. Are you? They don't like Indian people either. They bring in Indian people to be their servants in countries like that in the Middle yeah. East. They look down upon them. If some Middle Eastern girl wanted to marry an Indian guy, they'd be like, oh, come on. Those are our servants. Yeah, there are a lot of Africans that they have over there that are enslaved over there. Slavery still going That's, on. Yeah. Slavery still exists. That's another <laughs> harsh truth that a lot of people don't want to hear. So my thing is, a lot of times, instead of the virtue signal, do the best that you can. Shut the fuck up. That's all you can do. <laughs> and quit That's judging people and, and do the best that you can. And if there's things that you can do to help a situation that's near and dear to you, you know, that really, you know, touches you or whatever, then do that thing. And, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, we get on a lot of people about Project Child Slave, but a lot of times it's toward people who don't do a damn thing, but I always got something to complain about. <laughs> you know, it's just right. like they're very ungrateful and, and they feel like their lives are so terrible because I don't know. They had a, there was a line outside the door at Macy's and they had to stand in line, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying or the girl at Starbucks gave them the wrong coffee. <laughs> well, see, that that's the other thing about me listening to complaining or complaining too much myself. That also is depressing yeah. for me. It's very, it's very bad for my mindset because to me, complaining is not empowering unless it leads to action. And the sooner it leads to action, 
the sooner you can get past the complaining. So I'm a very action person. My first question is, I'm like, what are you doing about it? In my mind, I'm going, okay, this is what I'm complaining about. I need to do something about it. Yeah, I'm always asking myself because I don't just do it to other people because I'm like, when I see people post up, like, even someone sends me and I call it, I call it death porn. You know, let's just say they send me, okay, there's a cop that shot this black kid. I'm like, okay, so what? I'm not watching that, first of all. I don't need to watch that. You know, so my second thing is, okay, so now what? What are you going to do about it? What can you what can you do about it? And if, if there's something you can't do, it, are you going to do it? Why are you showing me this? I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying I don't care about another life being taken away, but my thing is this situation, this is something that happened in, let's just say, bumfuck Ohio. I live in Houston. What am I going to do? Drive up to Ohio now because you sent me this and try to go find this person and, and take them out? Well, no. I'm like, this does nothing. To my, well, just making you aware. I'm just, I've been aware of it. I've been aware of it since the day I was born. You know, it's like there's so many things out there that make you that make you painfully aware that we're, that we're different. There are people that hate you just because of the way you look. You know what I'm saying? Or the fact that people psychologically are not right and 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 they don't they're running from their lives so they take it out on other people instead of trying to deal with their own shit you know i understand all that so again best thing i do is just like hey make sure that if i'm in a situation where i'm encountering someone that seems like they have that type of behavior to to understand that that's the situation i'm in and try to do my best to come out of it alive not spend a bunch of time being you know, confrontational, whatever else is like, just hear him get this over with and, and then deal with things after the fact, you know what I'm saying? Because, but I'm like, you know, go around showing all these things and always looking at the news and watching stuff that these are things you can't control. You're getting upset over. This is really nothing, even though it's something for the, whatever, whoever that's happening to for you, it's nothing because unless you're going to do something about it, it's directly affecting you and you can do something about it. It's nothing. You're making up things. You're, you're getting hyped. That's like me getting pissed off. And that's like me getting pissed off in Black Panther that he killed Killmonger in the first Black Panther. What the fuck am I going to do about it? It's a character. It's a movie. It's not real. It's dumb. <laughs> it's just, you know, and a lot of times people need to understand a lot of these things that you're getting upset about. They're just like a, watching a movie. These are not things that are real to you. You're getting hyped up over things that you can't do anything about. I wish you could show, I, my hope is that you show that same energy to things that you can change and do something about. Right. That's what I hope right there. So I'm just like, okay, so, oh man, you see what they did to these kids. Okay. So I'm hoping that you are making, you're empowering your children, you know, or the children that are in your lives, you know, you're empowering them to look out for things like this, encouraging them to always come and talk to you and not make them feel bad. If something's going wrong and chastise them or whatever, I feel like you are a safe space for them. And they can like, you know what? Hey, one of our family members, you know, tried to touch me inappropriately. Don't make them feel bad. Like, you know, oh, he would never do that. You, you, you're imagining things. Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to them. Listen to them and, and, and please respond accordingly, you know, so give them that, that space. So that's my thing. It's like, look at those things you can change. Look at the things that you can effectively change in a, in a positive way, you know? So just focus on things that has nothing to do with us. It, it has something to do with us, but it doesn't, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. That's good. So, cool. All right. So, there you go, folks. Um, take a look at your goals. 
because hey man, I'm not gonna be one of those people. Like I, I've been, I've gone on the past past episodes. You know, I used to love to talk about the New Year's resolutionaries. You know, people that like to always state all their little resolutions and all that, and then end up you know not following through or whatever. Past all that at this point. You know, my well, I mean, thing I, is, look, I, I hope everyone achieves their goals. I'm not saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, you know, yeah. if you, if you sometimes, had to, sometimes people tell you, sometimes when you have a tragedy and you tell someone, Robert Green talks about this in his book, for a split second, you can see that they're happy. You can see their eyes light up that you're right. suffering. And then they go into, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Oh, that's terrible. Right. I, I think I don't, I, that's not a quality I have. I, no. I don't want to see people fail. I'm not. I, if I go to the gym and it's all these people there with their enthusiastic about training, I hope they stick with it. I'm not yeah. saying look at all these idiots. They're not going to stick with it after a week. I hope they stick with it. Now, now don't else. get me wrong. Now, those videos of those gym fails of some of the dumb stuff we see in gyms, I'm going to continue to sh- send those videos to you and crack up. Okay, <laughs> because <laughs> those people now, those are people that need better friends. Okay, yeah. to tell them like, hey, bro don't do that like why are you upside down on the pull-up bar and you're trying to do snatches upside down (laughs) barbell snatches like you know it's not going to end well they need better friends okay sometimes you know you gotta let darwinism have its moment and let 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 it go ahead and sort people out you know so but other than that you know i'm at that point just like you know what good i'm glad you're in the gym you know go ahead hopefully you know after this third or fourth week of january you'll be here for the third and fourth week of February. Oh, well, look, I mean, you, never know, you never know when people are ready to make a change. When I was yeah. 18, I was, when I was in high school, I used to party a lot. I did a lot of drugs. I didn't work out at all. I never did athletics. And I remember when I was 18, it was either 17 or when I just actually was, I was 17. It was my senior year. And then I turned 18 that year. But anyway, I was 17 and I, I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, man, I look like shit. I mean, I've, I've got this little gut. I've got no muscle. I have no energy. And I'm only 17 years old. This is, I got to do something about this. And I started working out. My dad got me this home bench press set. And I started. Weeder. That weeder. Exactly. I started. <laughs> from I, I started. I didn't know what I was doing, but I got started. And guess what? It became. A, I'm still doing it now. 30 over 30 years later. Yeah. So you never know when when people are ready and you never know who's going to stick with it. So some someone making a New Year's resolution this year, they're going to it's going to become a lifetime. Exactly. Exactly. So, and we should all ho- we should all encourage other people to make that kind of. I was commitment. just about to say that. Hey, man, as black people like to say in church, be encouraged. <laughs> it's very popular in our culture. So, the only thing, I, the only words I have for anyone I ever talk to in the gym, I see them doing something. I'm all like, "Hey, man, you're doing great. You're, you're yeah. I've seen your technique improve dramatically <clears throat> over the last three months. Or you're doing it's like you're killing it on this. I only mm-hmm. have nice things to say to people. You know, yep. I never have anything. And you never know, me. man. That that little those few words can go a long way. Yeah, you know because you know a lot of times people are already thinking in the gym like oh man i know everybody sees me okay here's the thing since you're already thinking that and yeah everybody sees each other make it worth the while like yeah okay hey man i see you've been kicking ass keep it up and keep it yep. moving when you say that then they were like you know what here's a damn someone's watching me so <laughs> yeah so here's my thing if some of y'all just getting started hey man keep going you know whether it's with your fitness goals finances relationships friendships hell just fucking life man keep going <laughs> keep pushing so that's i'm gonna end it on that all right that's good <laughs> all right folks we'll catch you on the next episode take care everybody that wraps up this week's live life progressively show be sure to head over to mikemahler.com and newwarriortraining.com 
Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to newwarriordefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressive Show by heading over to patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care everybody.